Welcome to the Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub Podcast. AGS is a leading provider of agronomy services, exclusive products, and unrivaled customer support. Underpinned by a well-qualified and experienced team of former sports turf managers. AGS. Supply. Consult. Support. Welcome to another episode of the Turf Hub from AGS. My name is Matt Lebrun and today I'm joined by grassroots volunteer legend Wes from Cranfield United. So without further delay I'd like to introduce Groundsman Wes. How are you mate? Yeah good Matt, thanks very much. Yourself? Yeah I'm good. It's nice to uh, see the sun shining and uh, and start getting back out again. Yeah it is, yeah it's great. It certainly cheers you up doesn't it? I'll say grass is growing fast now so we're out started cut, cutting the pitch a bit more regularly, which is always nice to be able to get out and, and do that type of role. So like I say, we, we've come through a really, really sort of cold, well, I felt it was quite a cold and wet, damp, miserable winter, along with the lockdown as well on top of that. So it's really lovely to see the sun out, getting back to, to the routines of what we love doing. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's nice to see um, the pictures start kind of popping back up on Twitter on social media, you know, the pitch is uh, looking fantastic uh, coming into the spring. Yeah, um, a bit more colour on them now. <laughs> there, there is, there is. There's always a kind yeah. of bit, bit of a shortage over the winter period and then uh, uh, pop yeah. back up when the sun comes. That's it, yeah. Um, yeah. But before we kind of get into um, all the procedures and what you're up to at the moment at Cranfield, um, I'd just like to touch on a bit of the history of uh, where you kind of innovative nature has, has come from because every time I visit you I leave feeling really kind of inspired and uh, at what you you're able to create and and uh, and how you've taken to the challenges of the volunteer uh, grassroots uh, groundsman role and not kind of shied away from it but as I said really brought the innovation forward of how you can how you can get past these challenges and the first question I want to ask is, where's that actually come from? Well, I think, you know, I've, I've had that question asked me a couple of times, um, well, a few times actually, over the years. And um, yeah, I think looking back, it, it sort of certainly comes from, from my childhood, Matt. You know, when I, when I look back uh, right to the beginning, you know, um, I was brought up one parent family, uh, one of four. Um, so, you know, I had a twi- I've got a twin brother, identical twin um, and money was hard to come by back in the day you know it was tough mum bless us done her best but like I say you, you know there was stuff you, you couldn't have and, and you can always go and do so I think it was a way of it starts from there really sort of like when you're when you're young you're trying to find things to do and, and, and ways to crack on you know and and, and you know especially with brother and that so um, I sort of you know found ways of finding a way to build something, you know, create something, you know, we want to play a game, you know, we would turn around and, and find, a, find a little bit of wood here and there, you know, I'll build a football goal. I'll, I'll never forget it, going back to, um, you know, I'll give you a little story, going back to when I was a, a lad, you know, I don't know if you remember, but you used to have, like, when they first brought out the sort of Argos football goal, mm-hmm. well, a couple of mates of mine had that in their garden. We were so like me and my brother were so jealous of them having a, having a, a goal, and we, we couldn't obviously afford it. Obviously, if it was Christmas birthday, we could, we might have been able to get one. But at the time, we wanted a goal sort of now, and you think, well, you know, what playing a garden, you know, mess about with you know football and stuff. 
and it, and it, and it comes springs to my idea. I, I, I built my first goal, you know, based on that. You know, I sort of uh, found some net. We had an industrial estate up the road from us, where you was always finding a bit of junk piece of timber or something off the back of the lorry and, and a bit of netting or something like that. So. I remember we were sort of like messing about, you know, climbing trees around the industrial estate, and I said to him, bro, I said, well, get a bit of net, look, and some wood there. We can build a football goal in the garden. Bang, you know, we can, you know, we can play. What do you think you could do? Yeah, I'll go around the grounds, get a couple of nails, and we'll put that together. Um, and that's basically where it sort of comes from, really. You know, so like, I built my football goal, and I said, forget it, you know. You go, you go around your mates' house and play, but if they had a few mates around and you weren't invited, you know, and you think, so, well, I want to play football, you know, in the goal. So, built my own goal, and then forget it. All the lads, thought, all the friends around the estate sort of see what I'd built in my garden. And in the end, they want to play in my goal, because you know, it was a little bit different, and, you know, it was it was nice. And, and that's how we sort of done things, you know. Going back to days where, you know, you, you sh- again, another sort of thing, mate of mine had a go-kart, um, of course, you wanted to go around the block with him and play, let you have a little ride on it. But it was his go-kart, you know, we all wanted to play. And I said, oh, that'd be great. I'll go, go and ask my mum if we didn't have a go-kart, you know. Obviously, sort of knew what the answer would be. Uh, can't afford, you know, can't do that, you know. And I sort of, I was looking around, thinking about it for a couple of days, watching him on his go-kart and went into the shed and there was an old pram, you know, one of the load of old junk in the shed. And I found the old pram and there's some pram wheels. And um, I thought, I could, if I put some wood on top of that, that would be a, you know, a go-kart. And then I sort of went through that. I found an old broken garden chair. And again, popped round to me granddad's, always had some. I said, Grand, can I have some, you know, nails and bits of, and he had old bits of timber in it. Managed to build himself a go-kart out of that, you know. Um, obviously, that was the first one. And then realised it didn't steer very well at all. And then sort of found a way to try and get that to, to work with steering, you know. So, and you build stuff like that. And again, eventually, sort of like found a way of, of joining in with others, but homemade kit, you know, stuff that, but people wanted to ride on my go-kart, you know what I mean? Because it was something else. It was a little bit quicker, and you, know, you had to push them, but didn't have pedals, but it was great. We had some great fun going around the block, doing stuff like that. Again, building football goals to go out on to play on the on the park, you know, on the, on the, on the bit of sort of, uh, the green across the road. We would build a couple of football goals again based on the one I had in my garden. So we built another one and we made football tournament all the way through the six weeks holidays. That's some great stuff built a nice, you know, sort of again you go back to those sort of times where you look back and you get asked those questions, you look back at your child and you think so, well, you know, do you remember they we often talk about stuff like that when brother comes around, we sort of go through what we used to do when we were kids and and, and I think that's where the innovation comes from. We sort of like making do, finding a way. Don't want to lose out. Of, you know, everyone's got these things, but but we can find ways of of, of doing things. Do you know what I mean? And and as long as it can give me a bit of timber, or, you know, a couple of old bikes or something, I'll, I'll build something. And that was pretty much what we done as, as kids. So that's where the innovation sort of come from. But it was sort of, I wouldn't say forced upon you, but it was, if you didn't, you didn't have it. So you, you had to find a way. You know, think out the box. In, in a way of trying to trying to you know join in with everybody else you know they talk about like foot golf now you know it's quite a popular thing well me and my brother we were talking about only the other day we were playing foot golf for years you know in our back garden yeah. we i remember building a little golf course in my me, in me garden obviously couldn't afford golf clubs found a couple of old golf balls around the field and i bought my mum was um she was a cleaning contractor so we had loads of old polished tins and stuff in the in the shed or you know in, she, she had half tins and stuff. We took all the lids off of them. I remember digging little holes in the garden and we made like a nine-hole putting green, 
and we were playing like we were using the golf ball and kicking them into the holes all around the garden. You know, that was something we built to sort of think to ourselves, well, we want something to do, find something to do, you know, find a way to, to do it, take your time up and have some fun. And we had some great fun with that. Do you know what I mean? That was pretty much sort of like, that's how it is it, sort of, I think, looking back, because I've had that question asked me a few times, I think that's where it evolves from. You know, you sort of always found a way to try and find a way to do what others were doing and, and you know, and join in. And to do that, I needed to turn, we needed to turn around and think out of the box a bit because we didn't have the money available to us. But I tended to have that little bit of a know-how. And it, it just come naturally to me to find a piece of, you know, find something and make something. And it was just something I had, you know, that was that was where it sort of come from, really, man. And, and that that's uh, fantastic. And that creativity just kind of kept going from there, you know, with your, your own kind of successful business, and then obviously entering the, the grassroots kind of volunteer side. Well, when I sort of look back, yeah, the creativity was, was there always, you know. I, I, going back to my school days, Matt, I, I struggled academically. You know, like I said, I said, I was a twin, you know. And going back to my school days, um, my brother, I was a twin brother, identical twin. So you tend to be, I don't know why, but you tend to be judged as one person really when you're a twin. You know, and I think that school... Uh, I know, you know, I was finding that very difficult um, to sort of uh, learn and stuff. You know, spelling and reading was, was well, I just didn't get it. You know, it was it was tough. You know, looking up at a blackboard, not being able to spell a word, and copying off a blackboard to try and, uh, you know, copy your coursework. And all, you know, I wondered why I was the last person to to get that coursework down, and and you know, everybody else was there. And the teacher would say, "Why haven't you finished that yet?" You know, she was going to roll the blackboard down and. Just, why well, is everyone finished? Look at me, and I'm still like halfway through, you know. And I found that a tough, you know, school. And it wasn't sort of picked up that I that I had learning difficulties because, again, I suppose when you think about it, my brother always done well at school, um, so they just looked at me as the same person. Do you know what I mean? And I think I got a little bit left out, and they just see me as the naughty twin, you know, because he's always talking, or he when the teacher tells him off, or makes him read in front of the class, everyone laughs at him because he can't read it. He storms out the class, he's on report, he's in, you know, he's um, he, he's in isolation. It's not. Yeah. But I found that in, in school, I found sport was something that helped me through. Um, it was something that um, I sort of grabbed onto. I, I was decent at it, pretty good at it. Um, and I sort of sort of grabbed onto that and got myself through school. And that's probably how I got got through school. Really. So, I, you know, when you're good at sport or something, you, you seem to be a little bit more popular because you, you're in the teams and, you, and you're good at what you're doing. And, and that's how I made friends through sport. So when I sort of um, left sport or left school, you know, I sort of left without much of an education. Um, and, uh, you know, it come to sort of making a career choice. Um, and that was tough, really, because, again, I didn't have any real education to go out and go into anything office work. I, I knew I wasn't very good at, at, at reading and writing and stuff like that. So, But I knew I was good with my hands, Matt. So I thought, well, what can I do, you know? So the first thing I thought when I left school was, I'm going to go into a building. I'm going to go into a building. You know, that's what I'm going to do. And I managed to, to um, eventually get myself a, a, a job um, helping out a carpenter on the building site. And he happened to be running a, a a home improvement company on the side, and that's where I sort of you know, sort of jumped on as from where I am now from business. So when I started working with him, 
um, he took me on, and it, and I sort of needed a boss like that, really. Sort of left school, not no no direction on where I wanted to go. His bark was worse than his bite, and you know, and and he just basically sort of you know, I suppose, made me see, you know, what you need to do to get on in life, you know, and and uh, it took me under his wing. I learned a lot from him. Worked with him for seven years, doing double glazing, uh, home improvements. Um, worked from there. Um, and, and went through and then and then eventually sort of as things go you find yourself you're running your own uh, home in, own um, home improvement company you know from the back of that and you think when you look back to your school days it's always nice to look back Matt because you actually see where you've come from and, I, and I'll always say that I have no regrets <laughs> about my the way things worked for me as far as going for school I'd have liked to have been had a bit more help with my education you know because later on I had to do that myself with evening classes and sort of improve um, and that's when I, that's when I found out I was dyslexic which was a bit of a letdown for me because I obviously found that them them years a very big struggle but you know but obviously finding a way and you're always dealing with that on a day-to-day basis um, so you know when I sort of like um, got got over that hurdle and sort of accepted that that was the way it was you know um, I managed to sort of get the confidence up to to sort of push on with with what I was doing with double glazing and so on and and I was I was always confident with with you know I picked that up quite quickly because I was good with my hands you know uh, and and that's and then of course going into sort of like sport again I carried on with my sport going through football um, and giving a bit back to sport um, went into a bit of coaching and so on and that's where I sort of fell on the grassroots because um, I was always within the grassroots doing my coaching I was a football manager. Again, it come down to somebody having to do it. Didn't have a manager, so I stepped up. Said, "All right, boys, I'll do it." And I was always confident, lad, in front of people, because I always found it easier to talk to people than than write to people, or you know, or, or deal with it that way. It was always easier to talk face to face to people. So that sort of helped me in a way. And I was sort of like doing my coaching management um, with with a few little clubs. Um, and then as it went on from there, sort of one time going back, say two thousand. 15, I was managing a, a football club, uh, Alstow Abbey FC at the time, um, and the pitch was uh, not in very good uh, condition. Um, and I remember all the boys complaining about it, and obviously we had a really good side and we wanted to go on and, and win things with that team. And, and I kept hearing these complaints, well, oh, the reason why we're not getting this, the pitch, you know, it's not in good nick, you know, this and that. And I just thought, no, I can't have that. We've got to sort of uh, find a way of getting this pitch a bit better. And when I sort of looked into it, realised the groundsman at the time that was doing it, been doing it for 50 years looking after the field because it was a multi-sports field at the time. I realised he was in ill health and he, and he was a, unable to get on the mower anymore and sort of cut the pitch. So, because me running my own business had a bit of free time, I thought, no, I'll, I'll jump on that and, and sort of tidy that pitch up, you know, no problem. I'll talk to Dennis, he'll take me through it, which he did. Got on the mower and uh, it went from there really, spoiled from there, sort of you know, got on there, started striping up the pitch a bit. Um, boys started to say, oh, it's much better now, you know. But obviously, as you know, it's not just about cutting the pitch. I found that out very quickly within, you know, jumping on that. And uh, it, it was sort of like, realised there was a few problems with the pitch. It was divvying up, you know. So I went back to Dennis and I said, Dennis, I've got a problem with the pitch. Um, it keeps divvying, cutting up, you know. What, what do I do, you know? Because obviously he was the man that knew. I didn't know, you know. 
it's what all we do there. Where's his <laughs> doing stuff there? Hints the old big roller thing on the back there, and we go up and down, and we'll get that nice and flat and play it again. So obviously listened, done that, and because I wanted a nice stripy pitch, and I put all my heart and soul into everything I do, I sort of rolled that a bit, a bit too much, you know, and uh, they realised it was cutting up even more. Um, and then that was it. So I went back to, I thought, this can't be right, you know. So then that's when I started to sort of look into things and, and I got into some Brownsman forum, forums, you know, uh, managed to get onto some of them and had chats with people and asked some questions and sort of realised then that that weren't the way to look after your pitch. And that was mostly the main reason why it was dipping and cutting up at that time. Uh, realised aeration, surface aeration was a key, um, hand, dip, hand divoting, pitch divoting. And that was where the sort of innovation then come in because when I went back to the club and said, look, we need this, we need that, it needs to be done like this. Uh, and realising then that we didn't have the funds available to be able to put that, do all that work and, and get those machinery. And that's when it went back to, well, there's got to be a way, you know, got to be, I'll, I'll build one, you know. So again, about out of the box, how am I going to get some, you know, aeration and into the ground and get this water filtered through? Because it would just land on top of the time. Because obviously I'd made it worse by rolling it, you know. I made mistakes, um, and I thought, well, I've got to get some holes in it. So a bit of towel batten, some nails, underground pipe because it was nice and round. I could screw those net battens to that underground pipe as long as I can find a way to get in that little A-frame out of timber, pull that across, and that will start digging some holes in it, you know. And that's that's what we'll do. So I sort of made a, a couple of attempts on it and eventually found a way to, to, to build a surface aerator. And that's, and then I turned that from timber into, into metal, you know, so that's basically where that came from. And by, by turning around and seeing that, how that worked, I realized then that that's it, you know, I start to see the grass thickening up. I start to see it coming back to life. Uh, sort of used it also for a little overseed, uh, managed to get a, a couple of hundred quid from the, from the club and I put a bit in myself to get some seed to, to, to get the pitch back so I felt a little bit responsible for the fact the pitch was in that bad nick after being on that roller you know doing what I've done and I realised that worked as well with that air rate I was managing to and I've done the overseed and it started coming back <coughs> the pitch was looking in great nick I started to practice uh, on the pitch all the stuff I was learning on over the sort of forums and what I was seeing uh, on the Twitter feed, because I sort of got my Twitter feed back up and running in 2012. Uh, I had a, I had a, tw a, a Twitter account, so I wasn't really using it. So I jumped on that when I started doing the grounds work, sort of set up a, a Twitter feed, started putting pictures up off the pitch, got a little bit of traction from that, you know, encouragement from others, and then started, and it sort of started from there. It sort of spiralled on, you know, you sort of meeting people on the Twitter, seeing their work asking questions, direct messaging, finding out loads of stuff and just had that passion to the mm. point of where at the end of that season, say 2015-16, I'd actually decided that I no longer, my passion was doing what I'd done with the ground. I got far more out of it and I found that far more rewarding than I did out coaching the lads. And that was, I know it sounds strange because, but it just, it just seemed, it just fitted for me. It just worked for me. It was nice to get up on the pitch Run around, you know, on the, on the mower. It was busy life, busy, busy running a business and getting on that mower. It was sort of like come off the back of that. I was, mowed the pitch for two and a half hours, got off of that, went on that mower, 
sort of stressed out with work, you know, loads of stuff going on in my mind. Come off that mower two and a half hours later, I felt, wow, I feel much better. I feel, energy, I feel like I want to just crack on now. You know, it was sort of like, in a way, I found it a little bit therapeutic. Do you know what I mean? In in in, in how that helped me. And I just thought that fits for me, the way I work and, and what it does. And, and I was getting a lot of good feedback from everybody. Um, and that's basically... Um, why I am where I am today, really, Matt. If, if uh, yeah, cut a long story short, <laughs> I think it's it's interesting though, and I hear it a lot about um, you know everyone's got a different way of learning, and I think the the kind of groundsman um, side of it is very kind of hands on, uh, practical, and there are very complicated sides of it. You know, don't don't get me wrong. You know, and, and very very academic sides of it, um, but when you actually put the the kind of hard work in and you start seeing the the visual rewards that feeling is very addictive you know at, at looking back and going i've really grafted i've put the work in um but i can now visually see it you know yeah. i can see the difference there hundred um, percent. i think like you say you, 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 that's why we take a lot of pictures you know and we, and we sort of well, obviously it's pride where you, where you take those pictures and you see, but it also it's nice to look back and actually see the, how things are improving with, with what you're doing. And you do sort of get a bug for it. You're constantly wanting to turn around and get that pitch in a better condition. But again, being at grassroots, going back to the sort of grassroots side of it, is, you know, you have your challenges with that. We have challenges with budgets. You know, we have challenges with, with the amount of gains we have on the pitch, the fact where the pitch is, you know, it's used for other reasons as well. Like when I was at Alstow, that was a multi-sports pitch, you know, that was cricket and football. So what I found with that was that was a challenge in itself, just having that, you know, you, you've got your, your pitch nice all the way through the sort of from the back of the winter going through to sort of end of April. Next thing you know, mow was brought in, blades were dropped, grass was just cut for an outfield so the cricket ball could run really quickly. And then you found yourself coming back up, you know, leaving a lovely strike, pit, lovely, beautiful condition, coming back to a pitch. If we had a, a tough, a hard summer, hmm. uh, you've got to try and bring that pitch back again. Do you know what I mean? Get that, lift them blades, uh, you know, raise the blades and try and get the grass growing again and, and it looking back again. And, and that was that work that you went through and doing it. But that's what I mean. That was why I sort of took pictures sort of see from when I got it back on the summer yeah. to where it went all the way through to the end and, and that's really why I started to put those pitches on because you could see the pr progression of, of, of your pitch um, and sort of going from that you know I was sort of done the groundsman I was a groundsman at, at, at Alstow for from two, two, sort of 2015 to 2019 I think that was like 2018 end, end of 2018 19 and within that time you know what I mean I'd, I'd actually uh, it you know, again, like I say about the being very rewarding, I'd, I'd actually um, been been sort of nominated for uh, County Groundsman of the Year 2016, uh, which which I won, uh, which was which was like unbelievable. I didn't even know there was competitions out there for a, for, a, for a Groundsman award. You know, it just sort of come to me, and uh, and then again, I won that again in 2018, which then pushed on to um, uh, a regional award. Uh, which then ended up being a national award, and I, I had one sort of national groundsman uh, of the year 2018. Um, and what I liked about that was, you know, I, I, I'll never forget it. You know, sort of like I had to meet two professional uh, groundsmen 
pop down to my pitch to sort of like assess it to see where I wasn't in, in the competition. And, you know, I thought to myself, wow, you know, these guys, you know, sort of Crystal Palace head groundsman, Southampton head groundsman, Andy Gray, in the middle of my pitch, you know, in little old Elstow, and actually complimenting me on my on my work and seeing my homemade pieces of kit and actually saying, they're really clever, yeah, that's really good. And he sort of like, in one respect, I was a little bit embarrassed by that little homemade piece of kit, you know, because I knew these professionals had all of the gear, you know. Uh, and, and for them to actually say, that's brilliant what you've done there. That's really impressive, you know, sort of gave me a sort of confidence to sort of um, sort of build on that and realise that that's what I need to do. This is grassroots. We don't have a budget. We don't have the money, you know, but you can do it. You know, these little bits of kit that you build, they make a difference. They're out there. You know you can build something. Okay, you might not be able to build out of metal, but you can build something out of wood that's going to do the job for you and your pitch for the amount of times you need to use it. And that's when I started to sort of add to a bit more kit, you know, sort of drag brush, um, front brush for the mower, um, and, and so on. And, and it sort of spiraled from there and, and sort of built other little bits of kit that was going to help me uh, maintain my pitch, you know, and, and get things done. From 2018-19, again, realised that that was um, the actual, you know, it was a tough job doing it with multi-sports. And I'd sort of, with that award that I'd won in 2018, I'd got um, given, a part of that award was, um, I got given the level one winner pitch. Um, uh, I could go and do that, you know, and, and, and get a certificate for myself and do a bit of learning through, through this. At the time, it was the, the, the IOG. And um, and that was great. So obviously when I went over there, I sort of done all this on the winter pitches and stuff, and they're talking about a little bit of renovation work and stuff like that. I was thinking to myself, well, I can't practice any of this at Elstone because I don't get that window. You know, I've got to give that mower back to the well, – obviously I'll still cut the outfield and stuff, that's what I did do all the way through. But the, the, it belongs to the cricket during that. I can't turn, turn around and just cordon off goal mouse and do my lines and runs during a cricket season because they need that as the outfield, you know. And that's when I sort of started to think to myself, I'm really itching to sort of further on in, in groundskeeping at, at grassroots. Um, and I just really wanted to sort of like try and start, you know, to sort of broaden out and, and take this little bit of education that I've started off with and grow and grow with that. And it so happened that there was a, a club, a Cranfield United, the club I'm at now, their groundsmen were struggling a little bit, you know, um, and I'd offered, and at the time, we only had the one team out, so, so I wasn't really doing a lot of groundsmanship. Well, it was easy to get their pitch maintained, and obviously, because it was in such a good condition, it just needed a cut, really, you know. And I thought, no, I, I need more than this. I want to I wanna really sort of jump on something, get a project, you know, get a, you know, sort of, sort of work towards something that, that I can make a difference on. You know, as I've made a difference at Alstow, I've done it, gone as far as I can there. I can now go on further, and and and, and it just so happened I, I jumped on and helped Ivor over at Cranfield. When I got there, within the first sort of week of, of helping him, I realised this was what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to sort of grab hold of this pitch, go in there, and get myself on a grommet down there, get soil samples, find out what's going on with this pitch to improve it, talk to the committee get a sustainable, achievable and sustainable, realistic budget to go forward and and improve this this pitch, you know, and, and try and find a way of, of you know, making sure that it, we, we can keep that pitch look, working at a good 
standard all the way through the season. So I went back to, I just sort of had this project, you know, mm. what get to that, we'll get that sustainable budget, we'll talk to the chairman, we'll see what we can do. Managed to sort of get £2,000 budget, which was perfect. Again, working with a totally different pitch, whereas Alstow was sand, gravel drained very well, Crownfield clay doesn't drain very well, you know, the hazards will come on that needs verty draining so that was something the club was always doing anyway because it needed that so that was obviously part within that budget so took two verty drains we were used they weren't really getting a proper feed done on on the pitch at the time so realizing obviously knowing through speaking to everybody else in the groundsman community that we needed uh you know a good nutritional feed but but one that again that's sort of slow releasing that can help us through the season so we needed a couple of feeds um, and that's basically where that budget come in. And then it was educating the club on, I think, I've seen it, people are sort of like warming up off the side of the pitch. Why do we have to warm up in the goal mouths? You know, these goal mouths are getting torn up. They're, they're re-turfing them every year. You know, surely we can do something else. And obviously when it comes down to the budget, we're talking, I'm going, well, we have to spend X, Y, Z on turf at the end of every season. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you don't. We can, if we can turn around and put that money into this £2,000 budget, that means we can have so much more. And as long as we, I can manage this and, and put all what I know into you, the coaches, and the and the club, to be able to look after our goal mouse, look after our, our pitch during during a, the wet season, you know, so that we, we don't get it cutting up because we're, we're turning around and we're doing warm-ups and quick feet all over our pitch and big keep ball sessions in the middle of winter. Let's set something else up off the side of the pitch for that keep this pitch looking so it's, it's in good nick so we can get the game time on it but sort of save it and we sort of done that in the first season and all of a sudden a total different pitch changed you know the chairman was unbelievable he said I can't believe it we normally you know come the end of the season it was sort of like May time and it was said well so what are we going to do then because we, we normally do like uh, get a load of turf in here but there's nothing wrong, wrong with the goal mouse is there there's nothing really wrong with the linesman runs, no, not really, just needs a bit of seed and a little bit of top dressing. And and they've sort of seen that now, and then they're brought into that little, um, you know, idea of, of, of looking after their pitch and, and being responsible as well to sort of maintain it. So that was a good thing about getting involved into Cranfield because it, it enabled me to further on what I'm doing. And again, then we had the problems with irrigation. So it came to the point of where I realised that it's all right turning around and top dressing a goal mouth and, and overseeing it, but the problem is I've got no water. You know, I've only got a little tiny tap, and can't keep going over, run up and down, run up and down, <coughs> sort of couple of hours uh, with with a load of uh, watering cans. I need to do something a bit better than that, you know. So, and that's when I sort of built again another piece of kit, uh, seed and soap cage. I we had, uh, we've got pigeons in the in the conifers that surround the pit. So I thought, well, I've got to protect this seed as well. I was going back there within a day. The seed was gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my god! I just felt like I was really sort of like on a treadmill, you know, getting nowhere. And so it's sort of like you, you sort of adapted again. So that's when you brought that innovation in to try and get over what you got and make the most out of your budget and get the best out of your pitch by sort of bringing in everything you're doing. And it's ongoing, and mm. I and I still do it now. You know, the little other bits of kit that I'm still looking at trying to build. Like I've just finished building a. Um, I put it on my Twitter feed. I just finished building building a. a, a uh, sort of like overseeder for the for to, to attach to my quadruplay that I've got down at Cranfield. And that's worked that's worked a treat. Just now seeing that seed germinated and grass coming through. And I know that by sort of mid 
sort of mid to end May, we're going to have we're going to be thicker grass down there, you know, and that's all to do with that little bit of innovation that's doable. Do you know what I mean? Because you've got that little bit of know-how and you've had a go, and and you can really make a difference with that. So I'm sort of pleased that that I can use that string to my bow in the groundsmanship, and sort of and 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 hopefully by putting that out there, that inspires others out there. To turn around and have a go because it's don't, don't be embarrassed by building a bit of kit you know what i mean it's, it's if it's doing the job for your pitch then it, it makes all the difference doesn't it you know it's mm-hmm. gonna save the club money and allow you to tap that little bit of extra money back into your budget and, and improve it in other ways well i mean every time i come to you i leave inspired and i think um you know taking the the positives from what i've seen the, the innovation side and everything else you're doing with the kind of hands-on side but and also, I've been really impressed with the well, the, the long-term strategy that you have in mind. You understand it's a it's a long-term process. You know, there's there's practical, common sense solutions that that you can install in there, um, and you've really got the buy-in from the club and the community. You know, as to uh, very clear vision. You know of where you want the club to go and the the issues that you kind of faced and how we get around them um yeah and i was so impressed and i know you've had i think i came over to you about a year and a bit ago now yeah. you know where we yeah, well, that, the first yeah, well, that's, that's yeah where, where i hinged from was um obviously i was on um the gma was doing a a little sort of like a top up on on a sort of little course on the gma and you guys sort of introduced yourselves on there um, and I see it, and, and, I, and I listen to what you guys are doing, and I just thought to myself, this is perfect for me. You know, what I mean, get these guys over, take the guessing out of what I'm doing. Uh, you know, because I know what's going on on top, because I can see it with my own eyes. But, but you know, as you learn, you know, through it, you, you sort of realise that there's a bit more to it than that. You know, you've got to look below that grass and underneath that grass to actually find out why there, there's a little issue over there and why there's a problem here. You know, and, and and am I putting in the right stuff, you know? And that was great to have you guys and get you guys involved because that's, again, kicked me on. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, you, what you boys have brought to, you know, in, in what you've been with us now, what, a year? And we, we've, we've done our first year, haven't we? Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, having that pitch assessment to sort of tell me where I'm going and, and how we're improving. And, and as we see it, you know, one time of the year you're 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 doing really well. Next time of the year, there's other issues that you're actually finding out as you're going and finding out, you know, what we can do to improve that. So that that's really sort of like why I sort of brought you guys in there. Because again, I want to make the most out of what we kept, what we got. What I really sort of looking at want to do, you know, if, if I can, if I can help towards it, is sort of show other other clubs and other groundskeepers and and you know chairmans and so on what can be achieved with a small budget but you've got to buy into that person that's doing it you've got to say right okay small steps it's, you can't do it all in one hit you know it's got to be done in small steps it's gonna it's progression all the time and we're still at Cranford we'll be still progression five years time there'll still be something that we need and we're wanting to you know improve on but we start from the basics and we start to progress it and showing that it can be it is achievable with that budget you set aside a realistic budget on that pitch you know with the right people involved you know work with your contractors work with your agronomists you know uh, 
and, and basically try and, and find a way to get a nice, affordable strategy going forward so that this pitch can progress at our level, you know, so you've got a really good pitch that's actually recovering on its own and the work becomes a bit easier then for a groundskeeper because yeah. you literally are just ticking your pitch over. You know, you're doing your grooming and you're getting your pitch ready to go for match day and then the players are taking it through its paces and you're seeing it and, and how it's holding up and where it's going. Um, and that's sort of like what, what I think for me is is where I want to sort of, sort of stand out really, sort of show others that it can be done on a small budget you know, you know, and and there's no reasons why you should, should be doing anything knee-jerk. Oh, yeah, we'll just go, we'll just throw uh, a grand at the pitch this summer because it's torn up from the heavy, heavy uh, winter that we had. You know, or we'll just throw four grand over, over there on, on a load of turf and then we'll do a top dressing of, of, of put some material on top. That would do, but then we won't do nothing for another four years, you know, and then we'll go, oh, the pitch has gone down and again, we'll have another go at it. You don't need to do that. You can keep this pitch ticking over quite nicely. You can then stripe it, cut it, you know. Let's be honest, all these guys want to do is play on a nice surface. Do you know what I mean? It improves the game playing on a nice surface. You know, it improves the game for the players. Um, and obviously, it's, it's also the club gets a, a good name because it's got a nice pitch. It's renowned for having a nice pitch. Everyone wants to play there. You know, it, it's, it's a no-brainer really for me. So that's really where I want to sort of go forward in, in my, um, in grounds with you. And that's, Obviously, that's not achieved yet. I've got a sort of long, long way to go there, but that's how I want to sort of go forward on that map. Well, I think you're making fantastic strides, Wes. You know, it's it, from following you've got on social media, from you know various visits that you've had. You know, from uh, people in the industry. I saw Carl from Wembley was down with you as well. Oh, amazing, amazing, oh, great. You know, to, and that's what I'm saying about the industry. You know, what I found, and that's probably one of the reasons why you get so into it because what I found is like, I work in, in my own industry and we don't have you know we <laughs> you, you try to pass another couple they don't put their hands up waiting to see how you're getting on you know if you've got a problem with a job they, they're not going to turn around and start they'll just turn around and drive past you and laugh at you you know <laughs> but this industry everyone's there to help you know everyone's there to sort of encourage you you know and that's what I found you know amazing about the industry is I do this as a volunteer role. I know when you're doing something full time and, and it's your profession, you might look at it a bit differently uh, because it's pressures that come with that. Me, I take what I want from the industry, Matt, because I'm volunteering. You know, I'm not going to turn, it's not my full-time job. It doesn't pay my bills. This is me turning around and enjoying doing something with my hands, with a little bit of know-how I've got, a few strings to my bow and getting a lot out of it, taking what the good stuff that comes out of that, that part of the, of the industry. But I've actually seen, looking from outside in, and seeing how the professionals work together, you know, and how everybody sort of gets behind each other and encourages each other. And like I say, Cole, going out of his way, you know, Wembley Stadium, and then coming over to little old Cranfield, taking three or four hours out of his day to come and see me, to sort of pat me on the back and say, oh, well, you're doing, and give me, and G me up and give me some great advice and so on. That don't, that don't happen in any other industry, you know, so that was fantastic and, and credit to Carl for doing that and, and I know he's, he's done that a, a bit more for others in, in our county as well which is you know massive credit to him and, and all the other groundsmen that are doing that as well yeah I, I think it's uh, as I said man I just think what you're doing and what you're saying and what you're putting out on social media is so positive um, 
and I, as I said a lot of people I think are already being inspired by it and I'm really interested to see the results you see uh, you you get over the next um, few years and kind of where you can you can take kind of Cranfield and and what you do um, but it's really great to see as I said the the understanding behind the long-term strategy and the understanding behind the kind of community that is then created from that you know from that pitch and you know you, you're willing to chat with others and spread the knowledge um and we will do a more kind of technical uh podcast in the next episode with yourself where we'll talk about the maintenance procedures you're doing in more depth you know the inputs the testing and everything else but just to finish this one off today um is there kind of a an end message that you want to kind of put out to the industry or put out to to grassroots clubs um as just a bit of a sign off uh well i think if, if i was put out say obviously grassroots is where i'm where i'm at so that's that's what i'm inside that so i know what, what's going on uh yeah i, I think to, to anybody that's doing a job i'd like to say guys you know stick at it it's, it's a good little thing to get involved in you know take small steps don't turn around and think you're going to change it overnight because you're not your pitch might not be in the greatest shape at the minute we've all been there but keep doing what you're doing carry on with what you're doing you know and eventually things will improve i'd like to sort of say to clubs out there buy into your groundskeeper you know because he's there to help you he's giving up his own free time to turn around and help you don't get on at him you know, if he's turning around to you and saying, look, today's not the day for, for training on that pitch. Today's not the day for warming up in your goal mouth, you know. Or maybe today might be one of those days that we turn around and, and uh, say, sorry, guys, today we're going to have to sit this one out. Because it's for the greater good of, of your pitch and going forward and it's going to help you guys, you know. So I just think so. there is so many people out there that I've met that, you know, they quietly about go about their business, and I and I look at and I listen to to their stories and what they're telling me, and I just feel like they need to be, you know, appreciated a bit more, you know, in that. And the clubs need to get behind their groundsmen because they're there to help you, and hopefully, you know, that will sort of change in time. And hopefully, that's what you know. There's other groundsmen out there that put some fantastic stuff up on their Twitter feeds social media and they're inspiring everybody i'm inspired by everybody on on, on social media some of the fantastic work's going on out there is unbelievable you know and that inspires me from a week-to-week basis you know um and so that's what happens for me and if obviously if we can inspire the others to turn around and, and push on and, and improve their pitches then that's what we'll try and do but they definitely need support from the background they, the coaches just need to understand that they're working with you they're trying to pro- provide you a very good pitch for you guys to be able to go out and play on you know, and, and get the best results you possibly can on it, you know, so get behind them, don't just think this is guy on the, on, the, on the tractor there moaning all the time, he's not, he's just trying to turn around and improve your pitch, if you can work with him, you know, you will be able to do it together, and sort of say to the groundsman really that, you know, like I say, it, it will come, you know what I mean, just be patient, you know, just talk, communicate with your players, say, look guys, we can do this a little bit better, and, and, and work and, and work together, we can really, um, you know, provide a fantastic playing facility up here. Just little things, little tiny things that you need to do. Um, and again, don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, I, I think you, you go in there when you first set out to do anything, you, you sort of worry a little bit and think, 
oh, you know, I don't want to let anybody know I've got this problem or I don't want to let anybody know this is happening. Ask questions. This industry is very, very helpful. You know, there's loads of people DM me and I DM them, others, and ask questions and I get the right answers. You know, they're, they're willing to help you. So you're not on your own out there, guys. It's a great, great community to be a part of. So ask the questions. You know, if there's anything you need to know, you can always DM me. I'm quite happy to answer them. Other people will tell you I do. And there's loads of people out there that are willing to help. So don't be afraid to ask questions because that's going to help you and it's going to stop you making what can be very uh, very big mistakes you can't come back for very quickly. So it's worth sort of like, you know, getting out there and, and, and talking as a community a bit more to help each other out. Wes, that's superb, mate. I thought... Um... Yeah, everything you're doing and what you're saying, I think is fantastic, mate. And it's uh, yeah, it's been a, it's a real pre- uh, privilege to work with you. And as I said, it's uh, Cheers, yeah. Well, like I say, it's great to meet you guys. You know, it's, again, you're meeting so many good people in the industry, and it's it's great. You know, and it's all constantly evolving as well. So, you know, I'm just grateful that you guys, you know, and everybody else liking what what I'm doing and what we're doing at Grassroots because you know we do fear it sometimes. You look at it, you say these professional grounds are, are absolutely immaculate. But you guys do understand that there, you know, there is sort of like, you know, it's all relative when it comes down to what you've got to work with staff and then what you haven't got to work with and what you've got, you've got to try and find a way of working with at the lower leagues. And you'll sort of like, and that's another thing I've found that's interesting. You sort of understand what what we're going through right down at the grassroots to what you are in the, in the profession and everybody's seeing it, you know, they're not going, oh yeah, well, that's a, that picture, everyone's understanding that not every pitch is the same and not every groundsman has the same, you know, budget or, or help that, or machinery, you know, that they can turn their pitches around with. So everyone's got different challenges going forward. And what I've found is you guys especially very helpful with that because you sort of give us encouragement as well, you know. Oh, I appreciate it, mate. And as I said, I look forward to what we what we achieve over the next couple of years. Um yeah, I thought it was absolutely fantastic, mate. And thank you ever so much for coming on the podcast. And yeah, I look forward to part two with you, Wes. Cheers, Matt. Thank Perfect. you. I look forward to it too, mate. Thank you ever so much, mate. Thanks for listening to Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub Podcast. For more information, visit advancedgrass.com or follow us on socials using the handle at advancedgrass.